Hey there, fellow travelers of the Junlin Wastes. Mark back here again for the Traveling the Junlin Wastes podcast, the TJW podcast for December 4th, 2023. I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. Hope everybody is starting off their week good here. It's a Monday, but, uh, you know, we're all in this together, so I think we're all going to do okay. Uh, did anybody have a chance to actually watch Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny over the weekend? It finally hit Disney+. Plus. Uh, I watched it Saturday evening. It was, uh, you know, it was the second time I saw the movie. Uh, the first time was in the theater earlier this summer, and uh, I finally had a chance to rewatch it. Uh, gosh, I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, I'm, I'm going to rewatch it again. <laughs> uh, it's great that it's on Disney Plus, but I think I'm actually going to also be uh, checking out the uh, the bonus features on the actual physical uh, copy of the movie as well too. I think I'm going to probably try to find myself a Blu-ray digital copy uh, that's being sold either at you know Target or Amazon or, or Walmart or wherever. Um, I know Best Buy has the I think the steel books uh, for it as well too. So I'll take a look at the options to see which one I want. But uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna pick up a physical copy of the media itself. Uh, I have the other four uh, Indiana Jones movies on on Blu-ray, so I might as well keep the the collection going there. But it was a lot of fun. I haven't checked out the Disney Plus uh, documentaries that they have just dropped. Uh, regarding Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. But, um, hey, you know, I, I, that, that gives me something extra to watch uh, a little bit later this week. So I'm looking forward to that. But still, you know, still speaking of uh, Indiana Jones, if you talk about Indiana Jones, you got to talk about Han Solo. Uh, and we're, we're going to continue to talk about the, uh, you know, Han Solo as he plays a role in the Star Wars radio drama. That's correct. We're, we're continuing to our, our, on our journey through the Star Wars NPR radio dramas. And today we're talking about Episode 7, from a new hope and this episode is called the han solo solution uh this is a really a great episode for a whole plethora of reasons but uh i think one of the big reasons why i like this episode a lot not only okay it's not the first time we get to see han solo in this uh, radio drama we we get to hear him a little bit at the end of the previous one that we were that, that we had just uh, did a commentary on but this one here is uh, the first time you get to see Han and Chewie um, in their own conversation away from Luke and Ben, uh, as well as having some interactions with some other characters who we don't see in the uh, in the movies at all. Um, this episode does, I think, a, a really good job of, of, of showing a little bit more depth to the Han Solo character, uh, because this, as we know, is the story was, uh, or the script for the uh, radio dramas was written by Brian Daly. And he was the author of those great Han Solo adventure stories, Han Solo at Star's End, Han Solo's Revenge, and Han Solo and the Lost Legacy. Those are those uh, expanded original expanded universe novels which came out uh, pretty quickly after the uh, after after Star Wars had come out, and I think they they were they were probably printed before Empire Strikes Back um, was was in our <laughs> was was in our purview. But uh, you get a real sense that Brian Daly had such a uh, you know a really good sense of the character and how to develop him and how to show him in his, you know, in his scoundrel element. Um, those are really what those, those three, uh, adventure stories are, are, are about is Han and Chewie smuggling stuff <laughs> and their adventures together. 
Uh, it's I haven't read them in a while, but I really should go back to them. They're not they're not long reads. They were actually you know they're 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 a little under 200 pages, I believe, which is pretty cool because uh, those novels were written at a time when I think in the late 70s, um, a small paperback novel was uh, was what was that was the popular thing. Nowadays, you get a you get a novel. Uh, out at Barnes and Noble, and the novel is, you know, gosh, it, I don't think it would go under 300 pages. Um, most Star Wars novels are like that. Uh, some of them even, even, you know, go go as far as maybe 400 or 500 pages long. But these adventure stories, um, you know, they're small enough. They're almost like the type of book that you would take to the beach to sit down and 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 to knock off at at, at in one reading at at the beach or on a summer afternoon or maybe you know being in the winter time you find a nice you know uh, a nice Friday evening that you're that you want a nice quiet evening you know and you sit back in your nice chair with a cup of tea and you read this book here before you go to sleep. So um, you like I said, he was able to get a really good story. Uh, but at the same time, really developed the character of Han and Chewie in these um, in these adventure novels, uh, and I think he does that pretty well here in the uh, radio dramas as well too. And you will see it as as we as we go through not only A New Hope but Empire and Return of the Jedi. You'll see how Han Solo is really fleshed out so well in the radio dramas, and that there's so much depth to this character. Not to say that Harrison Ford uh, did, did, I mean, he did an amazing job, obviously, as Han Solo, but this just gives you another angle and another way to probably see the character and to be able to understand the Han Solo character. Um, this episode does open, you know, it, while, that, while it is called the Han Solo Solution, they're not, he's not the first character that we see here in uh, the episode as it opens, but it's with, uh, it's with Luke and Ben. Luke and Ben are, are talking about how they have to sell Luke's land speeder to get money to put a down payment for this job uh, and this mission to Alderaan, that they have to pay Han 2000 in advance, and then he's going to get paid uh, the rest of the money once he uh, gets to Alderaan. Once again amazing job that this team did with the sound effects at Mos Eisley. Hearing the speeders, hearing all the machines and mechanisms, the crowd walking around the streets, hear the, uh, you know, the little hum and the buzz of, of what's going on on the streets there. Um, the wind blowing as usual with the sands, you know, in there as well. Uh, it's, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful landscape of sound that you get with, uh, with this radio drama. And this, this episode really does a wonderful job with it. Um, we hear Ben and Luke walking through the streets, and it's inter it's interesting how we start to see how attuned Ben is to the Force. We obviously know that Obi-Wan is a strong and powerful Jedi from everything that we've seen <laughs> over the last, you know, bunch of years, starting with the Phantom Menace forward. Uh, but uh, it's, it's interesting to see here in this radio drama, because, you know, we... We got a sense of Ben's abilities with the Force a little bit in the movie, but here we're getting it a little bit more clearly when, as they're walking through the streets and he senses something on the street that he feels like is dangerous and mysterious. Um, nice use of the John Williams soundtrack here as well as we're as we're walking with Ben and Luke through through the streets here. I like how Luke says it here. Um, you know, as they're about to sell the land speeder, he's no Ben tells them we're gonna have to sell the land speeder here, and he's like, "That's fine. I'm never coming." Luke says, "I'm never coming back to this place again," and Ben responds back with, "I wouldn't be so positive about where the future will find me." Uh, it's a great line. Obviously, Luke has no idea how far this journey is going to take him uh, in this in in a new hope right now. But it's also interesting when this all loops back around when Luke uh, gets uh, ends up coming back to Tatooine and Return of the Jedi uh, to save Han. 
So I thought that was an interesting little way to, to, to loop it all together again. Uh, no, it can be taken in a lot of different ways. You know, he, Luke really doesn't know what's ahead of him right now. All he is still is he's, he's this farm boy who wants to train to be a Jedi, but he really has no idea what that means right now. But it can also be seen, like I said, as, as understanding for all of us who, who know how this, how this whole story plays out. You know, Luke, you're going to find yourself back at Tatooine before you know it. So I thought that was an interesting way of, uh, of, of, of stating it. Um, they reunite with the droids, and, and 3PO is very nervous as usual. Anthony Daniel does a great job of sharing and feeling the nerves of C-3PO. Uh, they need to sell the land speeder in town, but they know that the troopers are intensifying their search throughout most wisely. So they tell the droids to wait closer to the spaceport, and they will go and sell the speeder as quickly as possible in the center of town. Uh, during this, as, as they're taking the land speeder towards the center of town, Ben and Luke discuss how unique and special the, the droids are, and how they make a really interesting and extraordinary pair. Um, it's the first time that we're seeing, like, you know, I mean, you don't really hear about, like, like you know, the two these two characters talking about that in the movie. Uh, but it's fun to hear how, how Luke and Ben seem to be on the same page when it comes to the droids. That, uh, you know, they, they're not just, you know, uh, you know tools for them to use um, to help them complete their mission. You know, it's you know, R2-D2 is not just like, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a flash drive holding on to this information. Um, I think they see the droids as as living creatures and uh, that they have their own personalities. They have their, their own uniqueness and they respect the droids for that. Um, which is so you, which is so interesting because then you're gonna, you know, later on in this episode, you hear how Han gets annoyed at droids and he doesn't like them that they're that they're talking to him. He gets he's uncomfortable with droids. So it really shows the difference between um, some people who are like Luke and Ben, who who see the droids as, like I said, as almost like living creatures and their own and with their own personalities, and Han who basically sees them as nothing more than a toaster <laughs> or, or or some sort of tool that they could use to help them do what they need to do. Uh, you know, Luke and, and Ben also talk about Han and Chewie. Uh, ben calls them a curious pair. Uh, they certainly are, and I can remember the first time when I saw Han and Chewie, uh, how unique it was to see. You saw this big, huge, giant Wookiee next to this, uh, you know, smart Alex scoundrel. Uh, but Ben believes that Han has a lot more to his character than meets the eye, which is so interesting for Ben to say at this moment of time. Um, it really shows how attuned Ben is to, uh, to, 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 to humanity and to, and to a, uh, you know, a character. He, from everything that he's seen, we got to remember that Obi-Wan has seen so many things, has met so many people, has had so many encounters that I think he understands that, you know, a person is not just what their face value is. It's not how they just quickly present themselves in the first meeting. He knows there's a lot of depth and nuance in a character. So uh, it's interesting for, for Ben to say at this time that he really believes that Han is is more than meets the eye in a sense. Uh, sort of reminds me of that part in, in Solo, a Star Wars story movie, when uh, Kira tells Han towards the end that even though he may not realize it, he's the good guy in the show. <laughs> <laughs> As Han laughs about that, he's like, I'm not a good guy, I'm a scoundrel. But I think it's that idea that, um, you know, Han has that hard exterior, but you just scratch a little bit under the surface and he's a little bit of an old, a little bit of a softy. Um, Chewbacca, they mentioned, uh, you know, they, like Luke is fascinated. He's never seen a Wookiee before. So he talks about, uh, you know, he asks Ben if he knows anything about, uh, about Wookiees. 
and 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 Ben tells him. He says, you know, he he tells him, you know, well, you know, Chewbacca is a Wookiee, and he's carrying the weapon of his people, the the bowcaster. Um, Luke is a little bit deceived by, like I said, Chewbacca's enormous size and, and, and weight and so forth. But Ben tells him that they have, you know, Wookiees have a very deep culture, uh, a very deep background. In their own way, they have an affinity to the nature and to the Force, which blows Luke away. Now, we all know this after getting to know Chewie after all these movies that he's been in. Uh, but I think it's also um, explained out wonderfully if you play the Knights of the Old Republic game that came out uh, in 2003, the original one. Um, one of the places you go to in that game is to the Wookiee world of Kashyyyk. And uh, you get to hear and, 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 and learn more about uh, the Wookiees there. And you do see that they have a very deep culture, that they're very family-oriented. Heck, you even should know that just by watching the uh, the Star Wars holiday special that uh, we just celebrated the 45th anniversary for. So so it's, it's nice to see that Ben recognizes this and tells Luke early on um, that there's something about Chewbacca that, and, and Han as well too, but Chewbacca, you know, because he comes from, from, from a very, like, noble, in a sense, a very noble background, um, that there is more of a reason, you know, he's not just sitting, you know, hanging out with Han just to smuggle stuff and, 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 and to, uh, to sneak around the galaxy making money. Um, that might be one of the reasons, but there is probably a more nobler purpose, he thinks, that, uh, why he's doing this. And he doesn't know at this time that, uh, Chewie owes a life debt to, to, to Han, so he's honoring that. So that's where I think the honor that he's sensing. Um, Ben thinks that we shouldn't, they shouldn't, entirely trust Han and Chewie at this point, but he thinks they're very competent enough to do the job. Uh, they're smugglers, they're scoundrels, they know what they're doing, they're going to get their money, they're going to get to Alderaan, and, and that's what they need right now. Um, the scene with Luke selling the land speeder is also pretty interesting. Uh, we see how the barter system seems to be in play here at, at Mos Eisley, just like any, like if you go to a baseball card show where people are like, you know, you know, oh, I see you got a 52 mantle. Okay, it's, uh, what, $5,000? Uh, here, I'll, get, I'll give you 1000 bucks. I'll give you 1000 bucks for this one, you know, in the, in the bothering back and forth, back and forth. Um, it plays out a little bit different here. The buyer wants this land speeder, but uh, does not uh, start him off with a fair price, saying that it's an older land speeder and he's going to have to have to sell it at a loss. After some back and forth between Luke and Ben and, the, and, and, this, and this buyer here, this alien creature, uh... Ben is forced, in a sense, forced to use the Force with a Jedi mind trick to compel the buyer to give him their asking price. The buyer succumbs to the Force mind trick, which is you know, done very well here uh, in the dialogue. As you can hear the, the, the creature saying, yeah, I will give you your $2,000, human. And um, Luke and Ben end up getting the 2,000 credits they need to pay Han. Luke is fascinated by this Jedi mind trick, but ben, but ben tells him that he only did this because of the uh, the dire situation and the need for them to get off of Tatooine and to get to Alderaan as quickly as possible. Um, ben realizes the state, you know, how high the stakes are in this in this situation, uh, and he tells Luke that I would have never have done this if I didn't feel that this was like a life and death situation. That we we've got to get off the planet. We've got to get the plans to 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 Alderaan, and and we we've just got to get moving here. Um, Luke is fascinated still by the idea of a, I think of the Jedi mind trick, and he's he's beginning to realize that the Force is powerful for those who have the ability to use it. But uh, I think Ben also has in the back of his head, 
you know, those those early thoughts that he might have had when he was first introduced to Anakin. Uh, probably how fascinated Anakin was maybe by his abilities to 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 be so attuned to to the Force um, and seeing what it can do for him. So I think he still has that fear of of Luke falling into that same same trap as well too. But regardless of that, they get their two thousand credits that they need, and uh, they're going to head off to uh, the docking bay so that they can uh, pay Han and they can get off the planet. Um, it's interesting to hear the alien creature. Um, talk about how he's like, do I grow senile in second Grubhood to fall prey so easily as a peer of humans? Um, as, using the word Grubhood, I'm imagining that this might be a, uh, this alien might be like an insect-looking creature <laughs> there that, uh, that, that bought the land speeder. But uh, it was a good scene. They used a mechanized voice for the alien's voice here, which I think works well. Um, and it's an interesting scene that we don't see in the movie. Um, Han, I mean, Ben and Luke, you know, they suspect Han probably has has some debts in Mos Eisley, which is the reason why he was there. And, uh, you know, Han needs the money quickly. They need to get off the planet quickly. They both feel uh, both parties are, 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 you know, really pushing to get this this job going. So they rushing, they're rushing off to the docking bay. Now the sheen shifts, shifts now to uh, Han and Chewie. Han tells Chewie about him uh, burning down Greedo, as he says in the cantina, and how Jabba found out that they had to dump the uh, the spice that they were smuggling when they were boarded by Imperials. So Jabba's going to send someone named Heater to find Han and Chewie, so they can so so that Jabba can get his money back. Um, Heater is a character here that we don't see in the movie, but who is going to show up here in the radio drama, but he seems only to show up here, you know, I, I haven't been able to find any other places in books or, or EU or anywhere else, so I'm thinking that this was just, um, a character that was made specifically for the radio drama and for this episode here. Um, while they're at the docking bay... And they're getting the they're getting the Millennium Falcon all ready to, to lift off. Um, we're introduced to another scoundrel of sorts called Squeak, who uh, offers Han and Chewie a job so that they consider that even that they that they're starting to consider, even though they already made the deal with Luke and Ben. Uh, they find out that this uh, job that Squeak wants Han and Chewie to go on, that this job pays ten thousand in in advance, which is much more than the two thousand in advance that uh, he's getting from uh, Luke and Ben. Um, Squeak, it sounds like he, he asks Han, what's wrong with the Wookiee? Because the Wookiee, because Chewie, Chewie growls at Han when, when he's offered this deal and Han tries to, to just, you know, shrug it off saying, ah, nothing's wrong with Chewie, he's fine. But Chewie isn't going to stand for that. Chewie has some honor and he wants to fulfill his promise to Luke and Ben. And he, he convinces Han, he, he basically tells him, he's like, look, we already made a deal with Luke and Ben. We shouldn't be, you know, trying to get out of that deal. We already promised them. And even though Han is like, you know, we got to look after our own skins. We got to be able to look out for us. Jabba's on our tail. We have got to get this debt off of our up of our back or we're going to be in super amounts of trouble. Um, Chewie still is like, we still have to first take that job. And then if we can, we can take uh, the other job that uh, Squeak offers. But Han finds out that uh, this this job that Squeak is talking about isn't going to start until the next day. So he decides not to do it because he needs the money right now. And he needs the job right now. So he's going to continue on working with uh, Han and Chewie. I mean, working with uh, Han and, with with with, <laughs> with Luke and Ben. Uh, the scene then turns to Han and Chewie checking out the Falcon. It's fun hearing them climb up the ramp of the Falcon and they're starting to play around with some of the instrumentation in there. And then they notice the gang approaching. Now, 
in the special edition of uh, A New Hope, uh, even in the original outtakes that weren't that didn't make it into the original original movie, um, there is that meeting with uh, you know with Jabba and Han right outside the Millennium Falcon there at the spaceport. Uh, in the original original movie, <laughs> I could call it that. Uh, it was a uh, Jabba was portrayed by a human actor wearing like these these very like you know f- you know interesting like uh, you know clothes of like hides and furs. Uh, but then we see, you know, once they, once George had decided that, that job, what job of the hut is going to look like this big slug like creature, uh, we do see him in the special edition as he's there in front of the Falcon, along with the bounty hunters, uh, to, uh, to, to tell Han, you better start paying me now or you're going to be in trouble. Uh, I like this scene here in, in, in the radio drama, um, not not more than than the Jabba scene, but I could see why this scene here with this right hand man named Peter might work a little bit better. Um, I would suspect that Jabba would send out his 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 lieutenants and his right hand men to do his uh, work around town, as opposed to Jabba getting off of his throne and 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 slugging around town to uh, to, to 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 discuss things with Han. Now, he seems to be the more of the type, like I said, to have a bounty hunter or have one of his guys, you know, grab Han and bring him right to the palace so he could talk to him. So I could see where Heater would play a little bit better in this in this context. Um, I like this scene. Um, Heater sounds like a scoundrel. I like his the voice acting of this actor who does it. Uh, he and, and and he mentions here. Uh, which develops a little bit more than the dialogue we see in the movie, how he talks about, perhaps, I, he, he tells him, I hear you have a charter uh, with, uh, with, with two people who are uh, looking for passage off uh, Tatooine. And he says, this is happening all around the same time that we have all these Imperials around here doing this search. It might be something about these two that might be worth it to the, uh, to the Empire if we, uh, you know, maybe we could uh, make a deal where we both make good out of handing over these two to the Imperials and and it's 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 fun to hear uh, Han and, and Heater go at it here and Han just drops it right there he's like we don't sell people out to to the Empire we don't we don't do that um, and he rejects the offer and tells Heater that he's gonna make the money he's gonna come back and he's gonna give Heater the money so he can give to Jabba so that Jabba will get off their tail um, this is, like I said, just a fun scoundrel scene in this in this episode of the radio drama. I dig hearing Han with all his bravado and smart aleck attitude uh, and everything with these guys. You know, it's all business and profit. Uh, like I was saying, and, and it, it's it, it works out well when you know that the Imperial troops and spies are all over the place. And I like how Heater also mentions in the dialogue here. Um, giving him like you know fair warning that your time is almost up here and if you fail again to bring us our money it's not going to be just some 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 two-bit uh, gun named Greedo coming after you I'm going to send Boba Fett now we know who Boba Fett is uh, like I said so but uh, this is the first mention of Bo- Boba Fett in the uh, radio drama so that was fun to hear that and reminds me of uh, seeing Boba Fett in the special edition uh, along with the other bounty hunters as they're standing in front of Docking Bay 94 there in front of the Falcon in the special edition of the movie so that was fun to to hear Boba Fett's name uh, get uh, get mentioned as well too um, the story continues along uh, where we go back to uh, oh, just before I get to the next scene here, I like how Han ends the conversation between him and Heater. He says, "I'll pay you, Heater, because I choose to." 
It's just another smart Alec remark that Han makes, which is, I think works really well here in the script. Um, the story goes back then to the droids as they're making their way to the docking bay. Uh, they notice the docking bay doors are locked and closed. They see troopers coming towards them, so they knock on the door of a shop, and they play a little bit of a ruse on, on the owner and tell him that they're part of a publicity campaign for, like, you know, Skywalker, uh, you know, mechanics to do some system checks on anything you want. And the guy says, okay, fine, come in, do some checks. So they sneak into the, sh sneak into the shop. I, I'm sure they did the checks on whatever the guy wanted to do. They closed the door. And uh, the next time we see the droids, they are back at the date. The, the door to the docking bay has opened because Han, I mean, because Ben and Luke have arrived. And then the droids come and, and, and meet with them. Um, I thought it was fun to hear the troopers, uh, you know, checking the door. And you can hear them reporting back and forth on their radios uh, to each other. I always liked the look of episode four sand troopers uh, in that movie. I always liked the equipment they had, the big, large, oversized uh, blasters that they would carry. Uh, always enjoyed seeing them on, on their dewbacks. And it brings me back to that, like I was mentioning, I think in a couple episodes beforehand, of that Dave Dorman painting that he did of all those uh, sand troopers there out uh, near the uh, the escape pod and, and as it, as you saw in the special edition with the Imperial shuttle taking off. So uh, it's it, I've always enjoyed those sand troopers, so it was fun to be able to hear them actually having some interplay as well too here on the radio drama. Uh, the troopers leave and the droids, like I said, they head back to the docking, they head to the docking bay and reunite with Luke and Ben. Um, ben keeps feeling this disturbance in the force uh, and he says there's something going on that, that's not right I, we're, we're being followed definitely now in the movie we know it's Garrett in the Kubaz who we see you know is able you know he rushes over to one of the sand troopers tells them they're over here the people the, 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 the two guys you're looking for they're over here in Docky Bay 94 and that's where we see the stormtroopers in the movie rush in and start blasting the, you know, start blasting the Millennium Falcon um Han and Chewie are all set uh, when when Han and oh God, I keep mixing up their names here. Han and Chewie are all set when Luke and Ben arrive, and uh, we see here uh, that famous scene where you know Luke in the movie takes a look at the Falcon for the first time and says, "What a piece of junk!" or "What a hunk of junk!" And and Han is played by voice actor Ke Perry King here. He does such a great job of reinventing this famous scene from the movie, and you could feel the tension just building in this scene. You know, Han cares so much for the Millennium Falcon. It's like his his baby. And and here you have like this 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 snotty little farmhand telling him that his that his ship is a piece of junk. Uh, and then he goes on and tells him it's it's it I I've modified it. It's faster than any other ship in the galaxy. It has all these illegal guns on it. You're gonna be perfectly fine on this trip to Alderaan in my ship. So just get on board, pay me my money and be done. Uh, a nice added addition to the radio drama, speaking of the money, is when uh, Luke hands over the money to Han, and you can hear him counting out the bills, and you hear Han going, ha ha, this, this just brightens my day, and uh, so he takes the money, uh, that's when the droids start trying to interact with Han and C-3PO, hello, my name is C-3PO, and, and Han just gets annoyed, and he's like, just get on board, I don't talk to droids, I don't like droids, just get on, leave me alone, so... Ben and Luke and the droids to get on board, and as you can hear, Chewie and Han, you know, outside the Falcon, just probably taking off the last things that are tethering the the, the, the Falcon to the ground. Uh, you hear the stormtroopers say, "Stop that ship!" and they start opening fire on them. Uh, this end scene is really fun because they use all the great John Williams music. You hear the blasters going off, 
you get your spear, your adrenaline running a little bit, feeling the uh, the, the 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 Millennium Falcon taking off. Uh, it's a fun scene, and and they do a great job of of painting this picture with all these wonderful sounds. Hear the Falcon's engines, the switches, Chewie, you know, growling, replies to Han. Han's smart out remarks back to Kim, as well as, you know, hearing him, you know, say things which which show that he's a master pilot. Uh, the music, I believe, is the same that they use for the move. The, the music they use for this scene here is the same one that they use in the movie as uh, the Falcon is blasting off. Uh, it's great to hear the hyperdrive and the jump to light speed, and by the end, uh, after Han has made the jump to light speed and they're safe, the narrator tells us the next thing coming up is the Death Star. So, uh, you know, we're finally off of Tatooine after seven, <laughs> seven episodes. Uh, the story is moving forward. We got, uh, we got Luke and Ben and the droids on the Millennium Falcon with Han and Chewie as they blasted off into hyperspace as they're going to head towards Alderaan. Uh, and we'll see where the next episode, uh, you know, brings us. But some of the things about this episode that uh, I found interesting, like I said, I really dig the Han and Chewie scenes in this episode. I, I think these scenes, uh, when I, I, I always think about this, this specific episode, uh, when I've gone through and either have, have picked up one of the Han Solo adventures by Brian Daly, because I can really hear when I, when I read... No, the, the Han Solo Adventures by Brian Daly. The funny thing is, is that I hear Perry King's voice uh, with the Han Solo dialogue as opposed to Harrison's, Harrison Ford's voice with it. Um, I just think there that that he just did something special within. You know, Brian Daly did something very special when he wrote the script for the the radio drama, and uh, I just feel that connection between the radio drama and those novels that he uh, that he did in the late '70s on uh, Han and Chewie. Um, this episode, like I said, had a lot of added scenes that were not in the movie, which I think adds a lot of depth, to, a lot of depth, not to the, just to this episode, but to the radio drama as a whole. Um, because if you think about it, only a few minutes from from this from these episodes would probably match into the movie. So uh, it goes pretty quickly in the movie, but it's nice to see that we have the radio drama here to uh, to, to to expand upon it a little bit. Um, and while not a canon part of the story, the, the character of Heater, I think, is, is good for the scene. I, I do like, like I said, seeing Jabba in the special editions of the movie, but I can also see uh, the scene, you know, more realistically as Jabba probably sending this guy along to try to hunt down Han as opposed to him specifically doing it. Um, and hearing, like I said earlier before, you know, I, I thought it was fun to see Ben using this uh, Jedi mind trick on, uh, on the buyer on that, for that land speeder. Um, it, it adds a little bit more to to the uh, the mind trick that he does on the stormtrooper when they were entering Mos Eisley, so uh, that also adds a little bit more depth to it as well. But that there is uh, episode seven for the Star Wars radio drama. Do you have any thoughts about this episode? If you do, please send me a message on the Traveling the Junlin Waste podcast Facebook page. I'd love to hear what you think about it. Are you going through the radio dramas yourselves? Are you uh, matching up? You know, are you first listening to to the episode and then hearing the TJW podcast commentary on it, or are you just listening to our commentary? I'd be curious to see how you're utilizing these uh, these episodes that I post. So please send me a message. I love hearing feedback, and uh, hopefully we're going to also. I was going to mention as well too. We're hopefully getting Dan back on uh, the podcast for another episode soon. So you want to stay tuned for that as well. Uh, another thing, a couple other things I wanted to mention. 
I, I've mentioned this before, but I've, I've got I've to set some time for this. I have a whole bunch of Black Series figures that, I, that are still in the packages that I'm going to be opening up. So <laughs> I'm going to want to try to do that on a podcast as well, too, or maybe go through uh, with some of my thoughts about what I think of these figures that I've uh, bought over the last year or so. Uh, for this big, uh, you know, big unboxing, uh, 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 you know, situation here. So, uh, looking forward to that as well, too. And, uh, of course, like I said, I keep mentioning this, and I'm hoping that uh, maybe during the holiday season, we can, Dan and I can put together those commentaries for the sequels that I think uh, will be a lot of fun to do. But until then, I hope everybody has a wonderful Monday, and stay tuned, because we are going to continue our journey through the Star Wars NPR radio dramas, and we're glad to have you along with it, okay? Have a great day, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.